Welcome to Bang the Table Talks, a podcast that discusses the evolving world of community engagement. Explore and learn with us as we host conversations with leaders in community engagement, stakeholder consultation, and public participation. We'll discuss current trends, best practices, as well as tips, tools, and ideas for better engagement programs. Hello everyone, my name is Dan Popping. I'm the uh, Practice Lead Engagement Officer with Bang the Table based in South Australia. And today I'm talking with Jessica von der Hoff, who is the Manager of Stakeholder Engagement and Communications at SA Power Networks. And we're also joined with Tonya Stevens, who is the Reset Engagement Lead for a recent project that they have just undertaken. Um, we're going to talk to you a little bit about uh, that project and some of the lessons they learned uh, along the way and how your digital and online engagement strategy kind of rolled out. So perhaps to uh, get things started. I'm just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about SA Power Networks. Sure. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having us. Um, SA Power Networks is South Australia's sole electricity distributor. That means we manage the poles and wires uh, network that delivers energy to homes and businesses across the state. Great. So just thinking about this recent project, I'm just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about why it was actually required or what was the driver behind the project. Sure. As a monopoly business, we are regulated by a number of regulators actually, but um, the one that required us to engage with customers around this project was the Australian Energy Regulator. A few years back they introduced an obligation that we needed to engage with our customers around developing our future plans. Um, we were already you know, doing that, engaging with customers in a number of different channels, but I guess this obligation encouraged us to, to step up our engagement efforts. and. Aside from the obligation, of course, we know that it's great business practice to make sure that what you're doing is aligned with your customer and stakeholder needs. So we didn't need the incentive to do it, but it has certainly helped the business direct a lot of resources towards the program. So essentially, we engage with customers and stakeholders to inform our proposal for managing the state's network for the 2020 to 25 period. Great, fairly large project from, uh, from what I understand. So um, being a large project and obviously with lots of different stakeholders and people interested in it, I'm just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about the engagement process and maybe if you're able to outline some of the key stages uh, of that process. Being a large project, it involved actually a number of phases. So we started off pretty high level, quite broad, um, doing some research, understanding who our stakeholders were, and that led us down the pathway of actually pulling Dan and the team in to pull together a portal so that we could complement face-to-face engagement and targeted engagement with a digital platform that allowed us to have a broad engagement as well with the community. Our business being such a monopoly business, but also responsible for looking after around about 860,000 customers across the state, we needed a way to touch those people and connect with them. And this provided us with an opportunity to do so. So that's how our platform was born. And that then enabled us to build capacity, to get people to understand what we were trying to do in the project and to understand us. Because we deliver electricity and poles and wires, a lot of people don't know who we are. So we had a lot of work to do to create interest and to create engagement and this helped us to do so. 
Great. So knowing that that was a sort of a key part of your work, sort of informing and bringing people up to speed, was that one of the first stages of your project around sort of sharing information and understanding who your your communities and and stakeholders are and and how you provide information to them? Yeah, um, definitely. And in fact, that's one of our challenges too, because electricity is probably not what you'd call sexy. Mm -hmm. So getting people interested and engaged in what we do is is a challenge in and of itself. It's also quite complex because we're kind of the meat in the sandwich. So our business doesn't generate electricity. We're like a transport company. We actually move it from one place to another and we're not on the bill. So we're not a retailer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't even understand how that whole industry works. So we had to strike the balance between explaining what we do, but not overwhelming people as well. And also, hopefully by explaining it, get them interested in it. Okay, interesting. And so sort of thinking about those, uh, the, the process and the different tools that you've used, I'm just wondering if you could talk us through a little bit some of the sort of face-to-face and also the online engagement tools that, that you did use as part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. So Dan, we did do a blend because we were looking at both broad and targeted engagement. So we had ran a series of workshops, for example, and I'll Jess can talk to this a little bit, but we had a series of face-to-face workshops and they were very resource intensive, very time consuming. We also ran the digital engagement, so we used a lot of the tools on that platform to try and generate interest that we had people plotting where they lived in the state so we could see you know where people were and get them interested in kind of the broader community and make them realize that there were connections out there too and people who were also interested in our project from around the state we used polling we used newsletter tools we used surveys we had we set up a private page for all the workshop attendees so that they could go in and access confidential information and information that was specific to them and it made them feel very special so we used both public forums and private pages I think as many tools as we could use on that platform, we had a go at. Any way that we could try and generate interest in our project, we used. And also what we tried to do from a continuity perspective was the topics and the themes that we're exploring through the face-to-face deliberative workshops, we then reflected those in the Talking Power website. So where we were asking a series of questions around, for instance, reliability levels and that sort of thing we would ask similar questions online. So at the end of the day, we were able to capture the two sets of data and have a look at how they played out together. And that was really informative, you know, spending the time in a, in a workshop, you get to build relationships, you get to, your participants can see that you're not just a big company, you're actually people mm-hmm. <laughs> you're with personalities and faces and that sort of thing. So you do get some differences in responses, but what we found overwhelmingly was that, you know, the feedback we were hearing was, was pretty aligned, both online and through the face-to-face sessions. So that was an, an interesting learning for us. Yeah, great. And so just thinking about how those tools come together, I guess the online, given the fact that your audience is all over South Australia, <laughs> that, that does reduce a lot of barriers to those participations. They may not be able to attend the workshop that you've had in a regional area, but they could jump online and, and contribute in that space. Absolutely. Mm. And we worked really hard to drive traffic to the site. Yeah. And we used our, you know, our social channels and that sort of thing. 
Facebook, we did some targeted advertising where we recognised that we saw we didn't have a lot of people visiting the site from different parts of the state and we wanted to, to drive some traffic and that sort of thing. We incentivised people to sign up to the site and that really worked in our favour um, in getting registrations and getting people engaged with it. And we're fortunate we had a, a reasonable sort of Facebook profile, Facebook followers that we could really drive through that yeah. platform in particular. Mm. Great, and it's an important sort of note worth mentioning, I think, because often a lot of people try to use those social media channels as a tool to engage mm. and I guess some of um, through my experience and some of the things I heard is that it doesn't actually provide adequate information for people to provide them back with informed responses yeah. and so using that social media I think is a really smart tool to get that reach and create awareness but actually drive people back to the engagement portal in this case it was talking power where then they could actually come in and contribute you know in that space so well done Definitely. Mm. we found that some of the I guess the content that we developed for Talking Power, we focused a lot on video and interactive content where we could explain things easily and people didn't have to read like a big long page of information. We found that using that short sort of video format, snackable content, if mm-hmm. you like, through those social channels really helped pique the interest and drive the, the traffic through to Talking Power, which was great. Excellent. One of the tools that you talked about and, and part of the process was that you actually c- recruited a number of different reference groups. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how this worked and the role that they played overall in your process. Sure. We had a series of reference groups that we set up, really specialist groups focusing on different areas of our planning. For instance, we had a group, a renewables group focused on the integration of solar and batteries and, and technologies like that on the network. Mm-hmm. We had another group for the arborists to look at how we manage vegetation around our power lines. We had a business reference group focusing on business issues. So we had a series of, of reference groups that really... I guess were the foundation for our engagement program after all. Then as Tonya mentioned, we I guess we were able to engage more deeply with those group of people through Talking Power through the creation of the private page that we set up for them. They all had their own login, they could go in. We set up a forum where they could have discussions amongst themselves. We provided all of the workshop materials, all of the confidential information and that sort of thing. So we were able to kind of use Talking Power to, I guess, add value to that engagement with our reference group members. Yeah, it definitely became a one-stop shop for the vast materials we created in support of those workshops. Um, As I'm sure you can imagine, it being such a long project, Mm -hmm. it actually reduced the burden on us because we're quite a lean team. To respond to emails, we could actually drive traffic to one spot so it worked in our favour as well. So when somebody wanted something from 18 months ago, mm-hmm. just it's all there, it's all on Talking Power, you know where to go. So we weren't getting emails constantly asking us yeah. for reference material. I think that's a really imp- another important point you make because having that central source of information means that there's one source. And often with these projects, you know, there can be a lot of misinformation or, uh, you know, public views that are uninformed or or not informed as much as they should be, Mm -hmm. sort of circulating around and creating a bit of distrust or maybe dissent in the process. So allowing people to find those facts and those details, I think, is really important. And for you guys, like you've said, having them at one place where you can just constantly point people to was a really smart move. So well done. It's handy for us too. To go back to find stuff, yeah. To find everything, yeah. (laughs) And also, it's just worth mentioning, Dan, we use the Talking Power site to close the loop, if you like, after all of the engagement um, you know, activities, after workshops and things, we'd post workshop reports up onto the site, then we'd, through our Talking Power newsletter, which was generated through the site, we would send out to, you know, notification that we posted the report and be able to close the loop with all of our workshop participants and, and our reference group members and the like, which is great. 
Well, it's better than great, it's fantastic because I think often that's one of the things that gets missed with some engagement processes. You don't actually get that opportunity to thank and you know let people know what was heard or spoken or listened to at that event. And I think that really speaks to then the transparency and the trust that that creates from your audience, mm-hmm. being able to go to your site, see what you did, look at those results or the outcomes, or even if it was just a transcript of what took place. So there is nothing hidden and everyone has that access to that information. It's yes. really good. So we might talk a little bit about some of the other learnings and, and things that surprise you in a moment. But, you know, it's always interesting to kind of uh, listen to some of the major challenges that you've experienced because there are other organisations and utilities going through a similar or about to go through a similar process. So are there a couple of kind of challenges that, that you guys faced and maybe you could talk about how you overcome them or, or, or dealt with them? Sure. Probably my biggest learning, Dan, has been around managing stakeholder expectations. We went into this process really wanting to engage deeply and meaningfully with our with our stakeholders and our reference group members. We wanted to be responsive and make sure that we were talking to them about the things that they wanted to talk to us about. What I think that meant was that we probably almost too responsive in some ways. If they wanted different activities, we would respond, we would do it with probably not enough regard given to the impacts it would have on internal resources and cost and time and that sort of thing. It was a good thing in terms of building relationships and building trust, I think it helped. But next time around, I would probably be a little bit clearer on the scope and Mm -hmm. and keeping the scope quite tight. The other thing that we've been um, working through is around managing the expectations of our stakeholders around what level of um, participation or engagement they'd like on the IOP2 spectrum. We found in, in some instances some of our stakeholders wanted to push us towards a collaborate level and we weren't able to do that in some parts of the program. So being really clear on what's able to be influenced and what's not able to be influenced through this sort of program I think is important. Definitely. It's certainly something I see in lots of other engagement projects around being clear up front. So first of all, it's nice to hear that you were sort of adaptable and try to meet those stakeholder expectations. And I think it's something to remember, particularly in large scale projects about that flexibility and adaptation. So sometimes you do actually need to modify or or change or upgrade your engagement strategy uh, to try to get the best outcome. Um, But you make an important point too, that there is a line that you need to draw in the sand somewhere and sort of say, look, this is as far as we can go. The IP2 spectrum is really good for helping to manage those, as you've already indicated, around, you know, this is as much influence as we can offer at this point in time. And I think that's a much better way than actually saying something else and then doing something differently. So um, good lesson. Um, what about for yourself, Tonya? Is there anything that jumps out to you as a, as a challenge? Because I know that you were heavily involved in a lot of the logistics and the actual doing and face-to-face sort of activities. Yes, yeah, so I would like to be able to learn how to multiply myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I guess one of the challenges we had, as um, Jess has already alluded to and so have I, is that be careful what you wish for. We wanted to use every tool we possibly could on the Talking Power platform, but there were some instances where we needed to step back and look at whether we could actually respond. The nature of the digital world, as I'm sure you're all aware, is that we're all quite connected and we are therefore pretty impatient when it comes to being responded to. So anything like a forum, you need to be able to resource up to respond appropriately and getting a question and then being able to respond within 24 hours is no longer acceptable. Mm. People expect instant instant gratification. That meant that that sort of forum needed to be really tightly managed. So anything that we used on the platform, we needed to really think about whether we could actually use it effectively and not 
result in people being disenfranchised and disengaged because mm-hmm. they didn't get the response in a timely fashion. Yeah, certainly a tough one around how quickly we can respond in today's uh, digital age. <laughs> and so, you know, I hear you very loudly and clearly around, you know, those tools and setting up those expectations. And I guess it goes back to that planning, you know, yeah. we've chosen these tools, now can we resource that and, and address that? In regards to, I suppose, the process, you're coming towards the end of it now. So I'm just wondering, have you had any feedback or do you know what your stakeholders and your regulator actually think about the proposal that you've recently put forward? We have taken quite extensive evaluation um, of activities as we've progressed along our engagement program. So we've been given feedback as we've gone, which has been really helpful. Um, and we have, I think you've um, already touched on the fact, Dan, we've been tr- we've tried to be really responsive and changing our process and also our topics and, and that sort of thing if it wasn't hitting the mark. And I think we've got quite a few examples where we have kind of changed along the way and adapted along the way. We've also conducted, I guess, a program evaluation. We actually asked a consultant to come in towards the end of uh, the program and speak with some of our stakeholders, speak with some of the key people within our business just to find out how it went and what the key takeouts were. And that was a very valuable process to, to undertake. And we've got a fantastic report that we've actually posted on oh, Talking Power. Power Great. in the spirit of transparency. But I think, I guess ultimately at the end of the day, the audience for our program was the regulator. We have heard some positive feedback around um, the, the practice of our engagement and how we went about doing things and our process. Generally, stakeholders have told us that they're reasonably happy with our process and they're pleased in the, the, the kind of the progress that we've made in the engagement space. Mm. And from what I know, you've certainly stepped up this time around in regards to that process, the stages, the reach, the number of stakeholders that you've proactively gone out to engage with. So, you know, definitely still driving the ball forward and, and pushing those boundaries, which is great to see. So I hope we get a good response uh, back. Thank you. So just thinking about then overall this process and some of the listeners that will be listening to your experience, what would be some advice that you might give to someone else undertaking a large project such as this? Take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> our, our manager is always fond of saying, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. And, you know, I think that is actually really sage advice. A large project is a bit of a marathon and it does take quite a lot of time. Celebrate your successes and take the time to actually evaluate how you're going throughout the project. When you're on a big project like this, sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming and I think it's really good practice to step back and assess where you're at, take some time to measure the engagement and celebrate where you've come from because you will build some amazing relationships and trust and goodwill along the way and it can get lost a bit when you're just busy in the busyness and in the activity of a project. So. Be kind to yourselves, take a deep breath, remember it's a marathon, and you know, celebrate success. So that's my piece of advice. Jess, what do you think? Agree with all of that, Tonya. The only other thing I would add is I think having really clear guardrails in place at the beginning of a program has certainly probably been my biggest learning, and next time we would be very clear up front what our expectations are, where we are engaging on the IP2 spectrum to use that as a guide, and, and what's in scope or out of scope. 
Great. Sounds like it's been quite a long, tiring process, and I know there's some, <laughs> there's some more to go. But you know what comes with that is, as you've already mentioned, that building of relationships, mm-hmm. that trust. You're obviously building the capacity of your audience to actually understand the business that you're in and what you do and how it affects their day-to-day lives. So I certainly take my hat off to you ladies for a very ambitious program, which I think has had a number of successes. And for me, I think you know the, the takeaway in, in a process like this is really to stop and, and assess and, and celebrate what you've done. And I think that's some good advice to pass on to, to everybody. I certainly look forward to seeing the final outcome of this and encourage our listeners to jump onto your site to have a look so they can visit talkingpower.com.au, mm-hmm. check out some of the stage uh, process that you've undertaken, a lot of the reports on those sessions that have been run. And then also, as you've mentioned, that program evaluation, which I know some people will be really interested in. Mm-hmm. Any final comments from either of you before we wrap things up? The only other thing that I'm thinking on reflection, Jan, is I think it's really important to bring the business on the journey with you. We have worked really hard internally to make sure that all the people, you know, we could get all the right subject matter experts in front of our stakeholders and contributing to Talking Power website. And that's been fantastic, really valuable to, I guess, spread the value that engagement brings to a business. Look, that's a, a good point to end on. I think that's got a whole separate podcast kind of topic <laughs> on board because, yes, you're right, you can do that outward-facing stuff, but if you don't bring that or your organisation with you on that journey to understand the value of engagement, you know, that feedback isn't received as well and therefore you don't necessarily get as much response uh, back in. So nice point to end on and, and maybe that can be our next podcast uh, sure. that, that we talk about. <laughs> well, once again, thanks very much for your time, uh, ladies, and I uh, encourage you all to go and visit talkingpower.com.au. Thank you for tuning in to Bang the Table Talks. Join us for future conversations as we explore the capacity and insight that online engagement has to offer. Check out our other learning resources at bangthetable.com.